0: Welcome back to another episode of Champions of the West, your official Sweet 16 episode. Uh, Sean, it, it definitely got a little dicey there down the stretch on Monday night against LSU, which we will definitely dive into. But uh, two games, two wins, kind of kind of all you can ask for That Isaiah Livers. How, how are you feeling? I mean, we're the only Big Ten
1: team that's still in it, right? A one it's seed to two, two, two yeah. seeds win, which is shocking but you know we're we're alive i think that we're hitting our stride which
0: we'll get to in a little bit but hey we're we're in so i'm i'm good with it i, mean, I it? i'm with you um to your point the big 10 teams will will kind of break down each of the like the teams kind of as we go um we're going to do what we did last time we'll start in the south head down to the midwest back up to the west and end with michigan's region in the east um Let's just, let's just not waste time and do it. Um, the South, you, you've you got four uh, teams, obviously, to make it to the Sweet 16. You've got Baylor, Villanova, Arkansas, and Oral Roberts. Um, Baylor, in their second round, took out one of those aforementioned Big Ten teams in Wisconsin. Um, didn't really struggle Um, It's kind of funny because it felt like Baylor was one of those teams where people were not so sold on going into the tournament and they kind of completely broke that notion. Um, Funnily enough, same with Villanova. Um, Villanova, everyone was worried about Colin Gillespie's injury. Turns out when you're playing Winthrop in North Texas, maybe less to worry about. Um, And then down at the bottom, we had Arkansas um, who were not good in the first half against um, Colgate and then and then kind of struggled down the stretch against Texas Tech and almost blew. And of course, the the Cinderella of all Cinderellas, you got Oral Roberts with Max Asmus and uh, and O'Banner uh, from Tulsa, Oklahoma, a school that I think very few people around the country had heard of. Um, Sean, in the South, you can start with one of those teams. You can start with another team. Kind of where do you want to go with the South? What was most exciting? Most surprising? Um, take it wherever you want. The South seems like it's the weakest of
1: the four at this point. I think Baylor has a surefire path to to the Final Four. There, I think that they were a little bit underrated uh, going into into the tournament, and they're firing in all cylinders. I mean, they looked so much better than Wisconsin. You know, good teams win. Great te- teams cover. It's they true. covered, and then you know you have a a Nova team, sure with. That's looking good, but they were also playing a 13 seed in North Texas, and then you know Arkansas. I was driving actually down to to the Michigan game, so I couldn't watch this live. But Arkansas and Texas Tech seem to kind of have a um, a uh, not so great looking game, in my opinion. Um, I don't think Arkansas is the real deal, and then I'm I'm not a naysayer, but a 15 seed I don't think is gonna is gonna be Baylor even if it gets past Arkansas.
0: Yeah, I'm um, I'm with you. Um I think the Oral Roberts story is is cool. Um I I'm with you. I I don't think they're going to get past Arkansas. Um and yeah, your point about it it feeling like it's Baylor's region is right. Um and and kind of fairly so. Um I mean, they nearly lost to Iowa State coming back off the COVID pause, but they've definitely been, you know, one of the best four teams at any point all year. Um, I think Michigan and Illinois have kind of cycled in between being two, three, and four. Um, obviously we'll get to Illinois. They, uh, they didn't hold up their end of the bargain. The other three, one seeds did for the first weekend. But, um, I think Baylor's really, really good. Um, the guy that, that I've kind of fallen in love with, um, over the past couple of weeks, even before his game against Wisconsin was Matthew Meyer, the, uh, the mullet. Uh, sweet shooting white guy uh, for Baylor who who's really, really good on, um, on Sunday Um, Wisconsin just doesn't have an answer for anyone kind of with that size and shooting ability. They have the traditional bigs and they've got like more wing guard size, six, five, six, six guys. Um, But yeah, I mean, I guess we can just kind of, You know, unless there's something else specifically you want to talk about, it feels like this is this is Baylor's region to lose, right? I mean, is there any way you see Villanova, Arkansas, Oral Roberts being the last one standing of these four, or or do you think it's pretty comfortably Baylor from here on out? Comfortable, yeah, I think so too. Comfortable. Those
1: guys can shoot it. They get down on the on the. They can. They won't go fast. It's um, it's funny to see a different breed of basketball. When you're outside of the Big Ten, I would almost argue the Big Ten may be the most homogenous in its in its style of play um, across conferences.
0: Yeah, I I I heard that somewhere else too that that the fact that there are too many kind of back to the basket centers and it's there's you know you you know what to play against when you're playing against Liddell and Kofi and uh, Garza and on and on and on and it turns out that every other um, team had an answer for that. And and funnily enough, in the tournament, you see it's not about the bigs. It's really about um, the guards that end up getting it done. So, so I'm with you. So we got two for Baylor in the South. Um, before we get to the Midwest, it appears a, a special guest has joined us out of the depths of darkness from wherever he is podcasting. Nick, do you want to have 30 seconds on the South? Are you with Baylor? A- anything else you want to add before we get going here? I love the the kind of quiet swoop in. It's perfect.
2: Of course. Yeah, it wasn't letting me in. You guys weren't allowing me in yet. I guess it wasn't, my call in wasn't ready. Um, but yeah, going back, I think not more to the South, but more to the Big Ten. And I guess, I'm guessing you guys were touching upon the overall, I guess, uh, um, kind of flop by the conference. Um, but I would say that. Speaking to Sean's point and your point about backing down centers and stuff, Michigan had never seen a freshman Cam Thomas. Like, who was the equivalent to us that we had seen? Like, no one goes to the Big Ten and puts up fucking 30 a night. That's why the guys like Josh Christopher go to ASU, right? Until next year. The MOC. So, it will be very interesting to see all of our diaper dandies playing in the Big Ten conference next year. I mean, I guess they could – You could say, like, because Dickinson's coming back, that's probably the hardest position to transition to in the conference is center. Um, And there's a lot of good centers moving on from the Big Ten. So um, I would say that in terms of, like, changing the narrative and having us be the only team that's gotten out, because, like, I assumed that the South region was going to get dominated by Ohio State. Um, But clearly, yeah. I mean, I don't know if it was just kind of bad luck and – bad draws and kind of the perfect storm, but um, clearly teams in in the Pac-12 and in the, even the SEC. And I mean, obviously the big 12 are good looking teams. So I don't know. Yeah, no, I think think you're right. right. That's that. that, Sorry. Go back to it. No, no, no.
0: I was going to say that's kind of a perfect transition to the Midwest where um, funnily enough, the, uh, the guy who to me most embodies the like 30 point per game chucker, just kind of unconscious, was Buddy Bayheim for Syracuse. And he was really good in the ACC tournament, but holy shit, did he get to another level in the NCAA tournament? And, uh, you he's know, really I, good. he, first off, he's an absolute monster. I, I, we have a little, a little basketball group chat. I say Jim Bayheim looks like a, like a dried raisin or like a, like a wrinkled raisin, whatever the hell you want to call it. His son is gonna make some money in the NBA. He's a hell of a player. He's really, really good. I don't know how genetics is a funny thing. Sometimes you got genetics and you look exactly like a spinning image of of what your genetics are, and sometimes you go, I I, I just don't see it. it. It's just an absolute mindfuck to me. Body's um, a great so or a, or a, or a yeah. beautiful grape or something. I mean, we can we can start with Syracuse there because. I mean, they, the game with West Virginia ended up being close at the end, but, you know, he, between him and I guess kind of Cameron Crutwig for Loyola, those have been the two big yeah. stories to me, um, with, I guess, a close third being how the three of us were like, we were more confident than most people around the country that Rutgers actually had a shot first, not only to win their first round game, but to actually beat. Um, Houston, and they should have beaten Houston. They completely choked down the stretch. So we were we were one collapse away from having a um, an 8, a 10, an 11, and a 12 seed in the South. Um, we, we missed it by that much. Um, but instead, we have Loyola and Oregon State and Syracuse and Houston. Uh, Nick, I'll start with you here. I, I kind of asked Sean this before. What was your biggest storyline or takeaway from the Midwest from the first weekend? Um, And then I guess we can kind of start with just talking about, like, yeah, who who impressed you the most and who do you like kind of moving forward?
2: Yeah, I mean, honestly, Houston hasn't been that impressive. I I don't know. I mean, I've watched some of their games, like Grimes is good, like they, they look fine. And maybe that's a good thing is that, like, they haven't peaked yet and they're still here um and i don't know i mean i really think that it's it's up in the air like sarah just like you said like they they could easily get
0: through like i would not so we're we're kind of jumping back in here i i think i think we're on the uh on the west we had a little bit of technical difficulties um you know what let's let's take one step back for the midwest um Nick, who's your who's your pick to come out of the Midwest?
2: Um, you know, while we were talking about it, I think Midwest, it's got to be our our boys, the Loyola Chicago Fighting Sister Jeans.
0: Yeah, it's got Sean. It, it's got to be. They have the experience,
1: right? It's gonna be Loyola versus. Syracuse, right? It's going to be Buddy Bayheim and his ability to shoot sixty percent from three versus Loyola's
0: number one defense in America. Number one are we still
2: overlooking the Pac twelve?
0: Maybe. I mean, Oregon State won both of their games in a route. Like neither and granted, Tennessee was terrible this year and yeah, Oklahoma school. State was okay, was mostly a cage yeah. show, but I mean they, they dominated both of those games. Yeah.
1: I think I think Loyola is going to win, and I think uh, Syracuse is gonna... ha- can Loyola can Lo- Loyola extend out that far to compete with Buddy Bayham range? That's the question.
0: Yeah, I also see that uh, Loyola putting Cameron Crutwig in the middle of the zone and him just being a point center and just picking the zone apart that would not surprise me one bit. Yeah.
2: Also, we never just while we're d- before we're done with the Midwest. Yeah horrible coaching by Brad. Orton, yeah, Nick, right?
0: we, give me give me some. Get, tell me tell me why why Illinois just completely shot themselves understand. in the
2: foot. They literally just did the same thing. It's like, you know, like what's the uh what's the definition of insane doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results, right? They literally did pulled up a guy high screen every single time they hedged on on IO or on Corbello, like it didn't fucking matter and they didn't try to run any type of different like, they have no sets. That's what you realize yeah. is, like, the whole year, Matt Underwood was, like, literally, like, okay, like, run a pick and roll with Io or, like, with freaking Andre. Mil- like, didn't matter. And then run it with Coburn, and then he'll get open. And, like, what did they think? Like, after- I don't understand how the Big Ten never looked at the stats. The craziest stat was that Kofi Coburn had five assists on Yep. That's crazy. And finally, like, Porter Moser, like, is going to get a coaching job because he realized, like, oh, if we just literally quadruple team Coburn, he doesn't know how to pass the ball. He doesn't get it. So, he's, we're either going to foul him and make him shoot free throws or we're going to expect him to take some bad shot. And that's exactly what happened. And it was just crazy. And then you – I don't know. Like, I'm not – I know it's like I'm playing armchair quarterback, but, like, like, one seed should not lose that game. Right. It's not like, like – shot like they shot really well like i don't know it's just
0: crazy brad, uh, porter moser is gonna get a coaching job because porter moser is yeah. two wins away from two final fours in four years meanwhile brad underwood i don't know if brad underwood's ever made like i don't think he's he's never made a sweet 16 <laughs> so yeah. you know one guy's coaching illinois and one guy is coaching the plucky upstarts and um I'll say Mar- yeah, I'm, I'm with you, Nick. I I don't understand how you've got two of the best six, seven, whatever you want to call it, players in the whole country, and you can't beat a Missouri Valley team that wasn't doing anything particularly special on defense. No. I mean... It,
2: they couldn't get stopped. They were horrible at yeah. defense, and yeah. Yeah. Sorry, no, I'm no, gonna... no. The
0: last, the last thing you're, you're right. It felt like they had a little bit of momentum when they were running the high pick and roll with Coburn and Corbella was just throwing lobs and Kofi was dunking everything. And then they completely went away from that in the second half. And I have yeah. no idea what happened. Yeah. All right. Should we was... let's let's move to the West. Let's move to a team. Who do,
1: we, who do we have? Who do we have? Loyola or Syracuse? Oh, I'm gonna
0: pick Loyola. Um, I think, I think Cameron Crotwig will pick apart the zone, and I think. Loyola will win that game by double figures.
1: Okay, I'm gonna take not Loyola. And then that means Syracuse. Sean, so Sean's
0: on Syracuse, Nick and I are on Loyola. So okay. Okay. I have to say, by the way, as as we're kind of going through, um, we did okay on our picks. We we were mostly on Texas Tech that could have won. Um, you know, we, we had a feeling on Rutgers. We were pretty sure West Virginia was pretender. So, you know, we, we didn't have a perfect weekend. We definitely had a couple blips here and there, but I felt <laughs> pretty good. Um, all right, let's, let's move to the, the clear number one team still in America. Um, it's funny cause it always feels like the narrative is Gonzaga doesn't play anybody. And granted they played Norfolk state and Oklahoma who was down a starter, but they bludgeoned get Norfolk state and um, Oklahoma Um, Creighton is maybe the most surprising since for for those of you that live under a rock, their coach called players um, that they work on the plantation or something like that, which is uh, not great. How, how he's still coaching. I have no idea. Um, And then on the bottom, um, our friends, Iowa, um, you know what they, they went out the way Iowa was going to go out, giving up a hundred points. And Nick was, I, I want to start with USC, and, and I, I'm going to roll the ball to Nick because this is this is where we have to start. But um, USC beat Kansas by 34 points Monday night. You know, Kansas is a, is a team that has been around the block with the NCAA tournament. I mean, Bill Self has been there a million years. Um, Kansas stole Jalen Wilson from us and on and on. But USC, I mean, I just, I feel like, and again, I don't want to take your thunder, but I feel like if USC wasn't, playing Gonzaga presumably in the elite eight, it, you know, if they beat Oregon, like I, I you could tell me they were going to make the national championship game with as well as they're playing right now. Like they're, they're hot. They're really, really good.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think the brothers are playing great. Like we said, they would, and, uh, I didn't expect them to look as yeah. good, uh, but yeah, the PAC 12 is impressive, And I think USC is kind of the class of the PAC 12. I think Colorado looked really, really bad in their round of 32 game. Um, but other than that, yeah, I think USC has a chance. I mean, I don't know if anyone's going to get out of the West besides Gonzaga, like you said. Um, I think Iowa ran into a stop in Oregon. I mean, yeah, it's it's a rematch, right? It's it's kind of crazy. It's a Pac-12 rematch. So
0: before we – sorry, Sean, jumping in for one sec. Oregon is interesting because we – the three of us together watched Oregon play Michigan – two years ago i want to say like in in the winter of 2019 um and oregon and michigan We're were were in a shootout and oregon has kind of just been um that team where dana altman has a bunch of guys that are great shooters really athletic and they kind of just move all like move the ball all over the floor um chris duarte i think killed michigan too when when they played and and obviously they don't have peyton pritchard who they had before but yeah, Oregon is just good. Um Sean, what Sean, what were your your big takeaways from from the West over the weekend? Yeah,
1: so I mean, obviously got to be the 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 Pac-12. Um with Oregon and USC both winning in very convincing fashion. Um I never thought Kansas was for real, uh, but also USC has What was what was that stat you said? Now this guy's had as many wins as he had at FGCU, or what was that? Yeah. So it's been so long; like you don't expect USC to actually do anything.
0: Yeah, this is Andy Enfield's eighth season at USC in his first Sweet Sixteen. It's pretty unbelievable, but but this is by far. I mean, he hired the Mobleys' dad as the assistant coach, and you know, it worked. It, It definitely worked. Those are that's the most prolific tandem in the country, maybe outside the Amish brothers at Eastern Washington. I don't know if you guys got a chance to watch their game or see how they were playing, but uh, yeah. they were balling out too. But I mean, those brothers are, are so, so good. Um, yeah. Yeah, no, they're they're legit. And I think, yeah, to your point,
1: Josh, about Oregon, uh, they, <laughs> they they're kind of like a more refined version of the LSU, Florida state flavor that we're seeing where there's typically guys who are athletic, long. I mean, you remember when we got bounced by them in the Sweet Sixteen? Was that three years ago? That was um, 2017. That was a Jordan Bell right. team. Yeah, exactly. Um, long athletic dudes, and then yeah, our most recent game, which we actually all watched together, uh, with that matchup zone too. That's a that's a, something you don't see that often, and it was incredibly effective. Gonzaga, I think, is going to be great, and then then you're going to see. I kind of like Oregon. I kind of like Oregon to beat beat Gonzaga. Uh, And either
0: of these teams that come out, I think are going to give Gonzaga a run for their money. I totally agree. It feels like both of these teams are perfectly suited to play offensive against Gonzaga as opposed to playing defensive, which I feel like, if you, the only way to beat Gonzaga is to run up the score and try to score 85 or 90 points, you're, you're not going to beat them in a slugfest. They, they don't play that way. And, and that's not, you know, how a team is built to beat them. Um, interesting. So Sean between, so you'll so you have Oregon Gonzaga, who, who's getting out there. I'm going to take, I'm going to take Oregon. Wow. I'm going to be the, I think that there's going to continue to be
1: upsets. Gonzaga hasn't played that many good teams. We beat the fuck out of them last yep. year. Um, upsets happen, man. Hot teams are hot. We saw that in the NBA, and this is a, a bubble. Situations are weird too. I'm, I'm taking
0: Oregon. Winner of Oregon, USC. How about beats Gonzaga? Okay. That's gonna be my I favorite. don't. I don't hate that. Nick, give me give me your final four pick here.
2: I feel like I lost all my brackets already. Not picking Gonzaga, so I got to pick Gonzaga. I feel like they'll make it through i feel like they're so good i watch them play they're just like they can just turn it on they like actually can flip the switch
0: i'm really torn
2: or like go from the under 12 to the under eight and then they're up like
0: yeah um i'm really torn because i feel like gonzaga has not seen a team that can match up with them like usc um USC is just big you know they've got the Mobley brothers they've got a guy Peterson who's 6'8 on the perimeter they've got big guys that can come in off the bench they've got shooters um like I I, part of me feels like and I think we talked about this um last weekend but part of me feels like this is a potential game against USC or or Oregon to Sean's point too where Gonzaga could get in foul trouble um because they just kind of have the athletes and the guys to match them Um, I'm with you, Nick, I'm, I'm going to go with Gonzaga, um, because, you know, that was kind of the pick that we had all along and, and, you know, maybe, maybe they just bludgeon USC or Oregon also. And and we're not even, you know, this is a non-starter next week. Um, but I think either one of those teams could make it really close and really dangerous. Um, all right. And now to the main event, um, we have to start at the top of the East, uh, Sean, we have to start with you because 2020 and 2021 are weird years. And you are one of the few humans in America that's actually gone to a live sporting event. Uh, so I need first and foremost, did you go just to the round of 32 LSU game or did you go to the round of, just the LSU game? Just the LSU right. game. You're only you can only go to one game.
1: There's not only there's concurrent games in the same
0: Got it. venue. So. Because I am curious, because I haven't heard this yet. Tell the people what it was like going to an NCAA tournament game wearing a mask at Lucas Oil State. Uh, no, it wasn't Lucas Oil. Yeah, Lucas, Lucas Oil. Oil. Yeah. What, what was it like in, in 2021 going to a sporting event?
1: So, despite people saying it's going to be like 25% capacity, you don't really realize that until you're physically driving, you know, within. Four hundred yards of of the stadium to realize that there isn't anyone around. Kind of like you're, it's just like a, a regular day. Parking's easy. There's some people filing in, but you know there's no lines in in for concessions or anything like that. It was just that was like the weirdest part. It wasn't even that weird that like the stadium wasn't that full. I would say, um, but the other stuff was was weird. And then the the game itself was unbelievable in in the way that I think two things. First of all, during COVID, because, you know, I haven't seen a live sporting event in well over a year. um, Just you miss that and you miss like the camaraderie and stuff like
0: that. Uh, And, you know, just cheering and just being locked into the event and and fans if you've never watched sean at a live sporting event it is an event in and of itself i mean you see veins popping from places you didn't know veins could pop so i can only imagine you at a round of this specific round of 32 game when there were whatever percent of michigan fans and you could hear everyone i feel like 80 percent of that was probably coming from your lungs so so thank you for doing your part
1: Absolutely, absolutely. My hands were sore after I was banging my beer can against the seats. Well it's
0: it's been a year, so it makes sense.
1: Yeah, exactly. But also like that was one of the few games that you see where there's a back and forth like that. Like how many games do you see in a season? If you're watching a full a full season where there's truly like legitimate changes momentum, where there's people
0: up by at least six points and that swings. I mean, we saw that
1: one of those big ten tournaments
2: games
0: yeah the only the only two games i could think of that had that feel were the michigan oregon state game from i want to say 2017 where i think michigan hit like 23s and this year's michigan ohio state game in columbus where everyone was unconscious and it was just like if you like college basketball, this is peak college basketball, Nirvana, like everything. Those are the only two games in recent memory that I can think of where you had both teams playing at a ridiculously high level.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It was it was crazy to see that where, I mean, that Cameron Thomas kid is legitimately good.
0: Holy moly. He's he's going to make a yeah, lot of it, money being a chucker for the Pistons and the Bulls. I'll tell you, man, He he's going to be really good in today's NBA yeah he can shoot that ball um which was just like crazy to see
1: and i think that like you know to the point that we were referencing that group chat Juwan howard's built different and i think the number one thing that i realized watching the game live um he stands on the sideline with his players as they're getting their names called like one of the one of the guys on the team you i've never ever seen that before right and like yeah that is a microcosm of what of what he's about, and he was able to rally his guys um, to start p- playing at you know another peak, hopefully, and also to get his guys like J- Bran Johns, T Will, um, even Zeb Jackson in the first game ready to go. I mean,
0: we didn't think T Will's going to see you know eight minutes and have three assists and four points now. And now I would be disappointed if Terrence Williams doesn't play at least five or six minutes against Florida state. You know what I mean? Like how, how quickly the narrative changes.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think he honestly was like, okay, we, we don't have one or two guys that can replace Isaiah liver. So we literally are going to split his duties up between, you know, we'll give it to two primaries, two backups, and then one or two, you know, freaking, we'll give you a shot. And if you hit it, you're going to stay in the game another minute or two which is what happened with Zeb and I think what happened with Williams, he made some good decisions and some high energy plays. And um, yeah, I mean, it's kind of fun to see. Nick,
0: was there a point where you thought this could get out of hand and, and be over because it felt like to me, it's really specific, a little bit like weirdly photographic here, but there was a point where um, Michigan kept in Terrence Williams and Austin Davis a minute too long And Cam Thomas came down and I think hit like a 32-foot transition three-pointer, maybe over Eli or over Terrence Williams, and it extended LSU's lead, I want to say to 63-58, with about 10-ish minutes to go. And unfortunately, my first thought was, you know, Jawan stuck with Terrence Williams and Austin Davis for a minute too long, and it's going to come back at some point and bite us in the ass, because – LSU shooting at that point had regressed to the mean, which obviously we knew it was had to at some point. But was was there ever a point where you were like, we we could actually lose this game, like there's a chance? Or were you kind of confident all the way through that we could pull it out?
2: Yeah, I wish I had this confidence in the football team, like we always say. I mean, I never once felt flustered. I like kept knocking on wood, but I was like, I feel fine. I yeah. was like, we're going to make a run. They're going to make a run. I was like, eventually, we're going to be the better team like I literally just felt like that. It's crazy. And like I'm not going to again because like I think it could be similar with this Florida State team. Like I think the team we're going to play uh, is a bigger, slower version of LSU and probably more risk averse. And I think ultimately it cost LSU like I know Brennan Quinn and Dylan Burkhart ripped on Javon Smart's turnover. Like that was a turning point. That of the was game. by it's the way, that was the twice, justice
0: on. that was the justice suing behind the back turnover in the Ohio State exactly. game. Exactly what
2: you took the words out of yeah. my
0: mouth. I was like, then then the players start looking
2: at each other, like, "What are you doing, dude? What are you doing?" Like, like, oh, like, and I don't know. Like, it, it was a clear turning point yeah. in the game. We come down. Obviously, the the play of of Brown uh, being out of bounds, but then not getting the call. Like, it was a horribly rough game. Yeah. So whatever, both sides it was horribly rough. Could you tell that, John, in yeah, the stadium? It was, really rough. Okay. Yes, it, was
1: it was really okay. Yeah, it was terrible. Really. Just inconsistent
2: in both ways, like missing blatant calls. It was bizarre. Yeah. I don't was think really- that was like another game. I hope not. <laughs> that was brutal. Yeah. I don't know. Like, yeah, there's was, it was awesome to have so many different turning points. It was a But it,
0: it did feel like Nick to, to your point, and then Sean, I, I have another question for you. It felt like Michigan can't like Michigan and Juwan cannot lose to a team that are their first turnover of the game is gonna be this hot dog freaking through the legs nonchalant pass i i think the reason they didn't turn the ball over is because they just came down and shot like they just they were literally they if they were open for a split second it was going up which to be honest i kind of like i i could love that being my team and if lsu hit 23 pointers there's just nothing you just tip your cap and go that's it we're, we're going home um but yeah i mean i i thought it was i thought it was the best i mean obviously we're biased, but I thought it was the best game of the tournament to this point. Um, Sean, who was your weekend MVP? Weekend MVP, Shondi. I mean, I'm
1: biased towards Michigan, right? This is a Michigan pod. Uh, To go from no points to kicking it off of that tough baseline jumper, where, like, those are the kind of jumpers, especially if you're coming off the bench, that, like, just as good of a chance as he just air balls it <laughs> um, to hit that and to never really look back to you know play a complete game on both sides of the court to play in his first real game of his career. Um, and to do that is, is, is pointless
2: in the first game.
1: What'd you say? Especially after not scoring in the yeah. first game. Yeah. No points. So Nick, what about
0: you?
2: That's on the Michigan team. It could be. Yeah. In Michigan or in general. I mean, it's got to be the guy from Oral Roberts, right?
0: You like you like Ace Miss?
2: Yeah, Ace Smith. I mean, I feel like he's led single-handedly, like him and that other guy on their team, have led them into the B sixteen. Like that's pretty crazy. Yeah. Like, I don't no, know. No, I, I like other that. that like,
0: um, I'm
2: yeah. He's, oh, they're freaking fifteen. Season. Yeah, fifty. Yeah, like
0: yeah. Crazy. I'm gonna pick um the guy who whose mom Sean DM'd during his freshman year. Um, which is easily one of, one of the best stories. Um, if you haven't heard this, when e- Eli Brooks was a freshman, uh, Sean would DM his mom like words of encouragement, which Nick and I definitely thought was bizarre. Like whatever, like leave leave the kid alone, leave his mom alone. But, um, you know, see, it's funny because weirdly, like if, if Isaiah Livers was out and – sorry, if Livers was playing and Brooks was out – I don't know if we win that game. Like it's it's really weird to say, but with Mike Smith as the primary ball handler and having sorry, primary ball handler and having to do all of those duties and not having kind of a backcourt running mate. Like if Seb Jackson had to play extended minutes in that game, we would lose. I, I just I don't see that matchup working out. And of course, you never want to lose one of your best players and best shooters, but you see a newfound confidence in in Brandon Johns. You know, Shawnee Brown was obviously not great the first game, but just a different level of resurgence in him. You saw Franz turn on at the end, and, and of course, Eli just was absolutely tremendous. Um, we got a little grin from him on the bank three, which I loved. He was he was trying to keep it coy, and he, Sean, I don't know if you could see it in the arena, but he gave a little smirk after that one, but he's playing at another level. Um, and Florida State is another, you know, weird matchup, and and we can kind of jump in from there um big athletic team um not they're okay offensively not great they're they're good defensively um but they're not kind of jekyll and hyde like lsu and weirdly i feel like for michigan but i think michigan should beat florida state i think alabama is another lsu type team you know obviously that's the team that that lost to lsu in the sec championship and played a hell of a game but you know, Alabama is one of those teams that they can come out and hit 18 threes. And again, you, you pat them on the back and that's your season. FSU to me is a little bit more kind of in the middle. Um, you know, they've got Scotty Barnes, they've got Raekwon Gray, but, but they don't strike me as a kind of team that you look at and you go, oh yeah, like, you know, if they hit their shots, we're done. Um, Nick, what's, what's kind of your early read on FSU? And, and do you think that Michigan we'll have problems with them and then we can, we can go to the bottom and and pick the final four after.
2: Yeah. I think it'll be a similar game to the LSU game um, in terms of Mike Smith's probably won't have as big of a role because he's going to be matched up against Scotty Barnes. He's what? six eight, six nine, Like, so you're going to have Brooks out there more playing point, which I think is fine. Um, But yeah, I think we'll get extended minutes from Brandon Johns. Hopefully, Hunter doesn't get in foul trouble Um, and same with Wagner because he'll have to play a lot, I think on Barnes too, um, as well. So
0: it's, it's weird though, because LSU doesn't start um, Barnes. Barnes comes off the bench. So they have, they have MJ Walker and they have Anthony polite who you could hide Smith on at the beginning. Um, yeah. but I just right. The the question is, of course, like what happens when once Barnes and comes who's to, their big Koprivica. Cop- You're talking about the big seven-one Cop- white guy. Yeah, 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 that's we got him foul trouble. He he got yeah. We oh. could we could absolutely get him into foul trouble. Um, he fouled out against. Yeah.
2: He had some pretty bad foul. he
0: fouled out against Colorado in 11 minutes and they won by 18 so he, he he might not be seeing the floor I mean he might have to but he's obviously foul proud in Colorado you know as i mentioned had the two bigs um but yeah they played I mean they played 10 or nine guys at least nine minutes in, in a game they won by 18 um and, and their in their center they played seven. So, really, they, they're they're comfortable going to, it looks like, 10 or 11. Um, Sean, it's a weird matchup because, you know, besides for Koprivica, there's no real such thing as foul trouble. Like, how do you even look at a team that goes consistently 10 or 11 deep?
1: Uh, matchups. And while they have 10 or 11 guys deep, I actually think we match up really well against them on the offensive side with Hunter Dickinson, um and their ability to to defend at the rim but not guys with the back to the basket right they can defend the rim when there's dudes who are 65 making a move and going to the basket we don't have those kind of guys right now you know what i mean so i actually think we we do match up pretty well against them um feeding it into feeding in a hunter um as is kind of like the the primary way that we're going to expose expose them internally uh and then on the on the defensive side um they're not that you know strong offensively and they've kind of been slumping as of late i think that they're like 50 point places worse now if, if you looked at the 30-day range of their offensive efficiency um, so i don't think that they're playing at a particularly high clip and i, I think that like lsu almost is a bigger risk just given their upside offensively, and I'm relatively less concerned about Florida State, given the fact that they are in a similar flavor of 6'5 to 6'9 athletic dudes who are you know the Florida State kind of guys. We know these guys,
0: we beat them, we beat them in the Elite Eight. Yeah, the one other thing too is you uh against UNC Greensboro, Florida State went 0 for 9 on threes. And against Colorado, they went six for 17. So this is not exactly a team that's going to light the world on fire with threes, which I think really helps Michigan and can keep Michigan in the game. Um, they do go to the free throw line a decent amount, but but I think that's a big differentiator. Um, on the bottom half of the bracket, um, we've got Alabama. Um, Alabama's pretty damn good. They uh, they beat the shit out of Maryland. Sorry, Nick, I know that was kind of your your potential darling pick, um, but uh, not, not to be... Uh, not to be the case. Fine and then it's fine now. Perhaps the um, the most surprising result, you know, even Oral Roberts' side of the entire tournament was Abilene Christian beating Texas. Um maybe it was a an emotional letdown or whatever you want to call it, but Abilene Christian was garbage against UCLA. Um in their two NCAA tournament games, Abilene Christian combined scored score hundred points. They averaged fifty points per game in their two showings. Um I mean, I I don't know what to make of UCLA because of that. Like BYU is fine. Alvin Christian to me is not good. Um, is there any way that, that Alabama doesn't just roll UCLA and, and sets up a potential elite eight game with Michigan or Florida State? Those two guys that they have are pretty crafty and good. Jose and whatever the other guy's name. Weird names. Are you talking about on, on UCLA? UCLA, yeah. Jaime Hawkes. Haquez and Joseg? I don't know. If, I don't know if it's. Uh, I don't know who Jose is, but I definitely know Jaime Hawkins is holding it down in uh, in Westwood for sure. Oh, I thought that Juzang, was a Juzang. Johnny Juzang. Juzang. Yeah, the transfer, <laughs> the transfer from Kentucky. Yep, that kid is a player. He's good. He's really good. Yeah, he's really good. He's
1: really good. I think Alabama's going to win. I think that Alabama is a better version of sort of the hybrid between Florida State and LSU. Um, so I think it's it's Michigan right. versus. Bama. Well, I, think I, like, we win.
2: I like Bama. I think I think Bama moves on. Quinterly's pretty good. I think he's a very good guard transfer um, from Nova, and yeah.
0: But Quinterly, Nick, on. to your point. Quinterly is a perfect matchup for Mike Smith, six feet, six, one quick guard, not going to necessarily shoot over the top. Like that's exactly the guy that to me, Michigan matches up well with, which helps. Whereas Florida state is just a bunch of LSU like athletes and completely different. Um, since I interrupted you, who's, who's the pick coming out of the final four. So you've got Michigan LSU, sorry, Michigan, Alabama, presumably in the elite eight, and you got Michigan so see you're you're feeling confident you're riding the wave yeah,
2: i had that in my bracket i'll keep okay
0: it. sean michigan yeah i'm i'm not deviating either um i thought the ceiling for this team was the final four and i thought that was the expectation and that's kind of where i'm going right now um we'll get to it next weekend if if or next week if we if we get there um i i don't love the way Michigan would potentially match up against either USC or Gonzaga, to be honest. I think if, if whichever team is good enough to make it through the West would give Michigan, if Michigan makes it all, they can handle and more. And, and, you know, who knows what Michigan's got left in the tank, whether their livers is even an option. Um, so just to, to confirm, we've got, um, we've got Baylor the consensus on Baylor coming out of the South. Uh, Nick and I have Loyola Chicago in the Midwest. Sean is rocking with Syracuse. Um, Nick and I are picking Gonzaga in the West. Sean has got, you said the winner of Oregon USC, which is a bit of a hedge, but you like Oregon more? I like Oregon. Okay, and then obviously we've all got Michigan coming out of the East. Um, wow, wow. Um, overall, would you guys say, Sean, I know you missed the games. Are most of the games on um, on Sun on Monday? I guess um, mm-hmm. overall, like, did you guys love that there were a bunch of upsets? Do you wish that you still had teams like Illinois and Ohio State and on and on still playing? Or like, do you think it's good for the tournament that you have these fifteen seeds and whatever kind of hanging around the second weekend? I like it.
1: I like uh, the fact that we're the only Big Ten team left. This. Sp- like, much to my chagrin, I guess, initially, I, um, you know, I lost our pool. I got my brackets busted. But now, as the dust has settled, as I thought about it, I'm kind of love the fact that we're the only Big Ten left. Um, and we kind of like convincingly so, except for Rutgers, right? No other team sort of like deserved no. to be here at this point. No, I can't name a single yeah. one.
2: So, no, this is a, I've always been a hater of Purdue. And I got talked off this podcast a year ago by Eric Shapiro talking about how good Matt Painter is. I think he's garbage in March.
0: Yeah. I think they, I think two years ago um, they lost to Virginia in the elite eight and Virginia hit a buzzer beater to send the game to overtime. Um, And I think Painter has never made the final four. I don't think Um, he had, you know, he had that like Robbie Hummel, each moore uh team yeah he made it to the elite eight in yeah in 2018-19 um and he made a couple sweet 16s in in 2009 and 2010 but that was it yeah i mean it's crazy because he it feels like he overachieves every year and yet he's never made it to the third weekend of of college basketball's biggest tournament so who knows um. All right. I, I know we're 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 a little over. We've kind of been all over the place. We got anything else that we missed? No. All right. It'll be a fun fun one to uh, splice this audio together and see what we ended up with in the first half. I can't wait. Sorry. Thank guys. you, Sean. No. We'll see. We'll see. This is this is why they pay me. This is me. Me and Isaiah Livers are both not NCA property. We get paid the same amount to do this.
1: <laughs> it's a great way to close it out.
0: All right, well, I'm hoping for some awesome Sweet 16 games on Saturday and Sunday. Um, Hopefully not too nerve-wracking, but hopefully a a nerve-wracking Michigan uh, Elite Eight game on Tuesday, but not before some great games on Monday. Um, But we will be back next week for sure to discuss all the action to break down the final four, whether Michigan is or is not playing. Um, but, you know, at, to Sean's point, it's been tons of upsets. It's been a ton of fun. Um, and and we hope that, that you enjoyed the pot or, or whatever you got through of it. So for Sean, for Nick, for Josh, thanks for listening. And uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.
1: Good work.